the four o'clock football frenzy. Hey, you hit me so hard down there. Presented by Dustin DeHart of Nova Home Loans. Call him now at 702-577-2600. The 4 O'Clock Football Frenzy on Cofield and Company. Company. All set up here at Silver 7s. One of our listeners just came up with showing me some parlay tickets. All right, all right, go with four favorites. Go with four favorites in the Sweet 16. Nothing wrong with that, nothing wrong with that. It's not like it's going to be all dogs. Who went out? We're set up here for the uh, Vegas Golden Knights game tonight. When the Knights are on, home or away, at Silver Sevens, the beers, Bud Light, Bud, Shock Top, seventy-seven cents. How about that? Seventy-seven cents. That includes Michelob Ultra as well. That's a that's a cool deal. We'll have a little more hockey breakdown in just a little bit. What's it looking like for patches in terms of health, Candy? Well, we got more information out of the Golden Knights than we usually do. He's a game-time decision. <laughs> yeah. So there you go. Uh, Pete DeBoer has told us that Patch ready on the trip and will have the opportunity to at least get on the ice and see how he feels. And, I mean, look, with the importance of these games, with Braden McNabb talking pregame about how it's a playoff atmosphere between these two teams, you have to think that Max Pacioretty is going to be out on the ice tonight for the Golden Knights. And, and the combination of he and Stone has just been dynamite all season long. Abs are actually a pretty strong favorite here. I don't mean that they're going to win, but they're 175 at William Hill. Uh, total is uh, five and a half. Not strange there, but 175, you can get 155 back on the Knights. You firing? At 155, I'm going to take a long look at it before uh, the puck drops in a couple hours here. There's, you don't get that kind of price on the Golden Knights very often. I mean, don't get me wrong. Like I said earlier, the Avalanche are healthy now. Finally, they've got everyone back. McKinnon's healthy. They've got McCarr back in the lineup. They are deep, they are talented, they are strong, but it's not like the Golden Knights are going to have that price attached to them very often, and they're the team lead in the division. Football frenzy time. Yeah, boy. Looking at TMZ today, Candy, and I see Johnny Football. Johnny Manziel up there again. What do we got now? Do you believe that Johnny Manziel is 28 years old, or do you think he's just been with us for 28 years? <laughs> like, know. it feels like Johnny Manziel has been a part of our lives longer than yep. I want to admit. Dude, uh, if you a- told me if you told me he was 35, I'd be like, yeah, I guess so. I don't know. It seemed the uh, This thing is dragged out for so long, it seems like he's that old. That's the problem, right? It just feels like he has been in some way in the news. Like, we don't go more than two or three months without a Johnny Manziel story whether he's going to the CFL or, or the, the Tech Mobile Football League that he's in now or, or whatever the hell it might be. But, yeah, Johnny Manziel goes on a podcast uh, this past week, and I have to be honest, man. I, I read some of this and listened to some of this, and I ended up doing something that I never do, which is feel bad for Johnny Manziel. Like, I actually came away feeling like Johnny Football felt some serious regret in his life because he talked about how – he was punished for a bar fight that he got into back in College Station at AM by having to run gassers, and that got him in incredible shape. And he credits that for getting in shape, winning the quarterback competition, winning the Heisman. You're a redshirt freshman. You win the Heisman. The world's in front of you. And then he went on to say that he then was not voted team captain the following season, a Heisman winner not voted team captain because he hadn't dedicated himself in the offseason to training. He didn't keep himself in the kind of shape that he was in to win the job and win the Heisman, and he said that that's something that's going to haunt him for the rest of his life. And honestly, Cofield, 
at 28 years old, if I were sitting there with <laughs> regrets that were going to haunt me for the rest of my life, I, I, I would be hoping that I did not live to a ripe old age of 80 or 90 years old. Like, that sounds awful to be saddled with. I was still making all the mistakes at 28 that I was going to regret for the rest of my life. I'm not going to make you get personal, but I will make Ari get personal. Uh, Ari, do you have any mistakes that you regret for the rest of your life? I mean, obviously, the uh, failed marriage I was in really would be at the top of my list. I don't know if it's a regret. I learned I learned a lot about myself and life and stuff. So oh, got serious here. It like haunts. Real experiences. It will so ha- I, I can't say. I, re- I don't know if I regret it, but will it haunt you? The decisions I've made. Decisions such as that one. That yes, that decision definitely haunts me regularly. Okay. Joining Cofield and Company. Haunting. Jury's still out on that one. Jury's still out. <laughs> You're not on the blacklist yet, Cofield. He's working on it, though. I know, man. I, I didn't realize. Two years or so. I didn't realize that list was so uh, deep and dark more. as it is. You get, you know what? Uh, hold, hold on a second, Ari. Hold, hold that for a second. You get personal. You get personal with me. You know what I regret? You know what I regret? I regret a couple of things Ari's going to feel really good to hear because he was talking to me about this earlier in the day. I regret losing on The Price is Right. I regret being a big fat oh, loser wow. and hearing the music and Bob Barker walking <laughs> me off the stage. I regret being a loser and not knowing how much a French press costs so that I lose on The Price is Right. And then I also regret that somehow I could not come up with the phrase award recipient on Wheel of Fortune to win $35,000. So I got to hear the loser music there, too. Those are pretty good. Oh, you evil human. Getting personal, sorry. Damn. But you're right on Johnny Manziel. If you're 28 and you've got mistakes haunting you for the rest of your life, that's some... Dude, that's that, that, I mean, those are some ghosts, man. It's a little hardcore. Uh, headline just in on Pro Football Talk. So we do our football frenzy. NFL won't require COVID-19 vaccines, but will incentivize them. Unpack this one. One, should they require... COVID-19 vaccines, and uh, the incentivizing is interesting. But what about on the front end? Uh, You spent all this money. You're trying to keep your team safe, your fans safe, your community safe. Should everyone in the organization be required to get the vaccine? Pretty good topic, I would say, for an extended discussion on the Law and Sporter podcast tonight. But uh, I will weigh in by saying they don't have the ability to require people any more than the government does, right? Like, the government can't do it, then you can't do it either. No, that is not a legal opinion. Don't get Justin on my back on that one. But realistically, the NBA hasn't been able to do it. They're in the middle of the season. None of the leagues are doing it. I, I wonder, let's get to the second part, though. The second part about incentivizing. Uh-huh. Like have, have, do we have the incentives here listed? Do we know what the league's going to do? Not yet, but they could use the NBA blueprint uh, the NBA just agreed with the associ- the Players Association, uh, as they're calling it, those who get vaccinated, fully vaccinated, get expanded benefits. Uh, they're no longer those players are no longer required to quarantine following exposure to COVID nineteen. They can have friends, family, and others visit without testing or registration, and they can dine outdoors at restaurants. I mean, those actually are pretty good incentives, considering you know all the different restrictions that athletes are under right now trying to keep them safe. Is that enough? Oh, oh! so we're getting back to the discussion we've had in the past about, air quotes, non-team guests. Mm. 
Non-team guests in the hotel. Oh, you didn't tell me that was part of the incentive process. Okay, now I understand exactly how the NFL is going to incentivize this. Uh, so you're, what you're telling me is a rookie in Seahawks camp, just theoretically, a rookie in Seahawks camp would not have to stick a Seahawks jersey on a friend of his to get that person into the hotel had that person been vaccinated. Sounds like that's one of the changes. Interesting. If that were to actually happen. If that Non-team scenario guests. Was, yeah, yeah I, I think NTGs are, are a good incentive. You know, it didn't cross my mind for one second that Joe Flacco was brought in as competition for Jalen Hurts. Like, not one second. Did it for you? Because Joe Flacco says his main job is to play football, not mentor Jalen Hurts. Maybe it's strange. Maybe I just forgot about the situation that Jalen Hurts is not exactly 100% guaranteed to be the quarterback. But I think on the flip side of it, I was like, yeah, Joe Flacco, okay. Like, I didn't, I, like, it wasn't even, there's no hesitation in, in going, he is a backup. He might be the freaking third stringer. Look, let's, can we get down to brass tacks here? Joe Flacco's a jackass. Joe Flacco is a world-class jackass. And right. the history that you need to know here is on his side. Yeah. Because think about how he was when Lamar Jackson was brought in in Baltimore. He was, he was an idiot. He was an <laughs> idiot. He wasn't, he wasn't willing to mentor anybody in Baltimore any more than he's going to be willing to mentor somebody in Philadelphia. And if you are Joe Flacco and you have proven repeatedly your inability to do jack squat in the NFL in 2020 and or 2021, then you should be happy that you have conned some GM and bring you in as what? As insurance? As a warm body? As someone for us to say, well, you know, if Jalen Hurts doesn't get the job done, they can go to Flacco. Steve, how did that work out for the New York Jets? Uh, actually not as well as I thought it should have because Flacco at times played well. Like, dude, we just wanted you to lose. So, you know, in a weird way, uh, he didn't do his job of losing. He played too well. Well, we know the Eagles have no trouble losing in the appropriate situation. Yeah. So maybe I should back off of Howie Roseman here because maybe this is just like the last game of the season last year. They're bringing in Joe Flacco to be the Nate Sudfeld of this roster maybe that's just it they got themselves a good solid three picks last year by bringing in Sudfeld in the last uh last 30 minutes of that game I don't know maybe maybe you know what maybe I spoke too soon so Ari was uh lamenting a breakup that would haunt him for life on the flip side of that you ever have a breakup you see the person a while you know a ways down the road and you're like yeah that was that was okay yeah that, that worked out okay because they're just they're just kind of weird and uh, there's still some bitterness and some of the stuff that you, you know, led to the breakup. You're like, yeah, that, that still exists. I would have to think the Raiders right now are like, yeah, we made the right move on Trent Brown. Uh, he opened up yesterday. We had talked about this a little bit in his first media exposure to the Pats media as he's back in New England again. And I don't know, man. I like, I'm trying to figure out like everything that was wrong and why Trent Brown was so miserable here. It doesn't seem to me like the Raiders are a horrible place to play. I mean, I guess if you want to win – uh, that might be the case because they've been, you know, kind of in the middle of the NFL. But in terms of like a hard-nosed place, well, what is Trent Brown talking about? That he, 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 I wasn't really feeling the place of work. I guess you could say. Do you have any clue what he's speaking of? If this were anybody else, I would say maybe it's the canary in the coal mine on Gruden and Mayock and the Raiders organization right now. But because Trent Brown has been so unpredictable over time. 
I don't really know. Like, Trent Brown signed with the Raiders back when they were still in Oakland, right? So played a year up at the old facilities in the Coliseum. And so it's not like he walked into Vegas and took anything for granted. Like, he walked into the brand-new facility and the brand-new stadium and the -the state-of-the-art everything that the Raiders have. So is it Tom Cable that he's talking about? Did he not like the Raiders' offensive line coach? I mean, look, Tom Cable caught a ration of crap when John Gruden brought him in. And for all of Tom Cable's well-documented faults, we have not heard a lot about Tom Cable since he's been here. So I don't really see what Trent Brown's talking about. And honestly, at this point, what is the good of saying it? Just go back home to New England where you want to be, back to the hoodie, and just let everybody move on. Dustin DeHart of Nova Home Loans brings you the 4 o'clock football frenzy. Dial 702-577-2600 now. Home prices have never been higher and interest rates have never been lower. Get your mortgage tune-up today by calling 577-2600. It's time for Cofield and Company's Path to the Draft. Presented by Weed Sellers. WeedSellers.com. That's Weed, C-E-L-L-A-R-S.com. Yes, no no cannabis, no CBD, bourbon, beer, and wine. Weed Sellers. All right, Adam Candy, we got to get to the Seahawks. They could be up on the board, but they, uh, they move the pick. But we still preview the draft and look at what's happened so far in free agency with Chuck Powell, who's at KJR in Seattle. Chuck, how you doing, buddy? I'm all right. Is this Gabe Jackson worth a damn, or is he just fat? Uh, you know, we're going to grade Gabe's fatness in a couple of seconds here. We've got more pressing issues. <laughs> First of all, the big transaction of the day around the NFL, I have to get your take on this. Do you re-sign Jim Nance for $10 million or tell him to hit the bricks, go do a podcast, and Ian Eagle takes over? Uh, yeah, I think, uh, you know, I think maybe I could leave him to golf. Yeah, that's fine. I'm, I'm all right with that. I'm down with that. Is that what the station feels? Then I support the station's uh, position on this argument. No, no, I think, I actually, I think my position is that you tell him to hit the bricks, go fend uh, for yourself somewhere else. I like Ian Eagle. I think Ian Eagle's really good on basketball. I think he's good on football. Um, I mean, I should be rooting for everyone in the broadcast media to make max money, but, uh, yeah, apparently Nance has re-signed with CBS. He was making Six and a half million dollars a year. There are rumors out there that he wanted Romo money, upwards of seventeen mil. But I'm guessing yeah. it's somewhere in between, Chuck. Yeah, yeah, somewhere in between there. But uh, you know what? Uh, yeah, I don't think Romo's worth seventeen. I'll, I'll weigh in on that. I'll give you yeah. that little nugget for you, yeah. for you and your audience to chew over. I thought. Um, I don't know if we can do this with our vast sound department. Uh, Ari, if at some point towards the end of the interview, can you play the end of the Super Bowl where Romo just he just locked up and had nothing to say? I really like Tony. No, I really do like Tony Romo, but he struggled I do too. At, at the end of the Super Bowl. I think he's really entertaining. And I think what Romo has done is he's raised the bar for every other uh, ex-athlete coming into broadcasting. Because forever, I think we, we've all agreed that there are some of them who work at it. There are some who care. And then like 90% are like, yeah. hey, well, where's the check? Oh, I got to work? I don't care. I'm not working. Yeah. Uh, I, I enjoy listening to him, but, yeah, there's some polish that, uh, you know, there's, there were a couple of games. I think the NFC Championship game where he kind of lost track of time, yes. the score, and the rules to the game. Uh, and so those are all pretty important uh, to, a, to a football analyst. Rules to the game, yes. Definitely a, <laughs> a need. Uh, Candy, why don't you jump in on this and, and answer Chuck's question. Gabe Jackson good or just kind of fat? 
is it possible to be both? There you go. <laughs> yeah. I, th- yeah I, I, I think Gabe Jackson is uh, – his pro football focus grade is probably like an 80 on fat. Uh, but he, he did tend to, uh, you know, come in around that number for most of his career at guard as well. So, no, I, I mean, you're getting Gabe Jackson definitely on the backside of his prime, but I think there's definitely reason for Russell Wilson to look at that and maybe feel like that uh, the Seahawks have done him a solid by strengthening up a position. Yeah, I think they upgraded at that position. I Considering how little money they had to spend and how many holes they had to fill, um, that was the one move the Seahawks have made so far in free agency where I'm like, I think you overspent on that. I don't think I'm looking at a $10 million player, and I certainly am not going to give up a draft pick and pay him. Uh, but, you know, Seahawks have had a good run here in free agency. They, have, they were forced to kind of nickel and dime this thing, and they've nickeled and dimed it uh, pretty well. The big expenditure was on Jackson, but I, I will just let you guys know that what Pete and John have done, if it ends up helping Russell, that's gravy. Uh, I don't think that they went out of their way in any stretch of the imagination to pacify Russell Wilson's frustrations. Um, they want to keep him upright because he's a, the most valuable asset in the organization, and he has a difficult time getting rid of the football on time. So as much as they can help him stay upright, and stay healthy, that's best for the organization. But they weren't bow, bowing to his demands or his you know, complaints in the national media. Uh, they just needed a guard, and Gabe Jackson on paper looks like an upgrade, and so they overspent for him a little bit. But that's what they were planning to do anyway. So, Chuck, it comes out in the national media in the last couple months between Russell Wilson and the Seahawks, but up there in Seattle – how long had this been brewing? Because it doesn't get to the point where we're doing this uh, on ESPN if something hasn't been you know, frustrating one side or both for quite a while. So what's the background here? Uh, I mean, I think it has been brewing for a while, and maybe that's the expectation. But the fact that it came to a head this year, I do believe caught the organization off guard. Um, as a matter of fact, you know, they have consulted with him on all of their major moves. It's something that they do include him in. Now, he doesn't have final say, certainly, but from what I understand with the people that I've spoken to, he is included on the conversations they have about improving this football team because, as I said, he's the greatest asset uh, in the organization. He's always been such a good soldier, and he's always been so straight and narrow that I think it caught them off guard that he did go public with any kind of complaint particularly since they had just met with him and covered the ground that he complained about in private. So it did anger them. Um, They do believe that it's Mark Rogers, the agent, uh, who's leading him, um, you know, down this path. But then again, Russell's got to sign off on that as well. He seems to be making, for the first time in his career, a power play. I don't think the organization likes it whatsoever. And I do believe that they are willing to trade him, but only and only for the right offer. So the reason that they've been silent, they want him to stew in it. Like they feel that he's the one, more so than them, that is taking the hits here locally and that they want to see him dance. And frankly, he's dancing a little bit. He is overreacting on Twitter to every signing being the greatest thing that he's ever seen. And he's trying to win back favor with the fan base 
and maybe with the guys in the locker room, the offensive linemen that he rubbed the wrong way with his public complaints, and perhaps even with Pete and John. Maybe he wants to smooth this thing over before training camp gets here. So, Chuck, we know from the history of Russell Wilson that if he was going to try to do something like this, it was probably going to be awkward because there's just something that it seems socially is always a little bit awkward about the way Russell Wilson chooses to handle these things, whether people think that he's being disingenuous or putting it on or whatever the case might be. So beyond that, like under the surface of the Russell Wilson awkwardness, is there any legitimacy to how they've built the team around him, do you think? Uh, I believe that there is some legitimacy to his frustrations of them constantly slamming the table for we need to run the football more. I mean, I think Russell has in recent years taken that personally. And I think the frustration that really set in, and I think he's got people in his ears, by the way, that are telling him to speak out and be squeaky, to be loud, I think the frustration that set in was they finally gave the offense to him at the beginning of the year. They finally did things for him. They just cut him loose. And he's one of the most accurate passers in the National Football League, and he is the most accurate deep ball passer in the National Football League. And he was having tremendous results. And the team went 6-2 and two in the first half. They went 6-2 and two in the second half as well with a more stout defense. But even with the terrible defense, a historically bad defense in the first half. They were still 6-2 and two because Russell was putting up such monster numbers. For the first time in his career, everybody from coast to coast was talking about him as an MVP. And then they had a couple bad games, and he was part of that. He turned the ball over too much, but he wasn't responsible for giving up 33,000 yards to Josh Allen in Buffalo. You know, he, he, he wasn't solely responsible for that train wreck of a loss midway in the year. And Pete Carroll, being a defensive guy, just said, I've seen enough. We're not going to turn the ball over. That's just not how I operate. So they pulled the reins back. And he took it personally. I think he sulked in the second half. And I think by the end of the year, he, wasn't, he was playing the worst football that he's played in five years. Not just all on Pete and John. But I think it was because he got the marching orders that we aren't going to turn the ball over. That's our number one thing as an offense. And he was enjoying the number one thing being putting a zillion points on the scoreboard. And so they took that away from him, reined him back in. He took it personally, and he's been angry about it ever since. You mentioned people in Russell's ear. Uh, Is this a Brenda Warner situation um have you guys talked about ciara do we start pointing the finger of blame and get all toxic with our masculinity (laughs) i i mean it's certainly i mean it's not discussed on my show with any sort of you know uh seriousness i mean it's talked about in the fan base it's certainly communicated in social media there are people that believe that she's a meddler and she might be one of the people in his ear telling him you're a superstar, you're not just a football player, that sort of thing. But I have nothing to validate that. I have nothing to verify that. Uh, and I, I certainly, anytime I've ever brought it up, it's been jokingly uh, playing off of those that have actually bought into the fact or bought into the theory that she's part of behind um, some of his new behavior. I mean, it could be the truth. I don't know. I have no idea. Uh, but certainly it's, it's nothing that 
I'm taking seriously unless I have valid information in front of me. But, you know, he takes some goofy-ass photos. I mean, yeah. <laughs> he, he's a socially awkward dude. And suddenly he's dating this megastar who wants to take pictures of him and all sorts of funky costumes and hairdos and everything else. And it doesn't seem to fit the persona that Seahawks fans embraced and loved for so many years. So he's sort of a changed guy. She changed him in some ways. And obviously a fan base with you know, social media at their fingertips, they're going to type away about how she's ruined our perfect quarterback. I'm looking at her Instagram right now. Uh-oh, look at that. Now it's just all goofy pictures, like you said. It's all goofy <laughs> pictures. There's no declaration like, my guy wants out of Seattle. Let him throw or else trade him to well, the Bears. I, mean, I love gave, Chicago. Here's an example, Steve. When he yeah. gave the list, it's like four teams. Right. So what is, how do people analyze that list? They're like, oh, Vegas. Okay, I see. I see. She wants a show at one of the casinos. She wants to help her career out. You know, who else is on that list? New Orleans. Oh, okay. New Orleans. Oh, that's a great town. That's a lively town. Chicago. Oh, third biggest market. Oh, this, is, this list is just simply about Sierra trying to help her career. Those are the kind of leaps that people take naturally. I don't think with social media here there's any avoiding it. Uh, but, uh, again, there's no concrete information. You know, there is no evidence to speak of. It's just all substantial that she's having any influence at all on his decision to speak out this offseason. Chuck Powell, KJR, we're doing our path to the draft, talking hardcore football and Ciara. Uh, three picks in the draft. That's it. They got three picks. Yeah. Uh, second, yeah. a fourth, and a seventh. I mean, it's kind of silly to talk about needs because there's not a whole lot of value there. What, what do you think they should lean towards with that second-round pick? Uh, well, I mean, they filled some holes. I mean, that's what I said earlier with free agency – they had a lot of holes to fill, and they didn't have a lot of money, and they nickel-dimed their way to finding two pass rushers, Gabe Jackson at guard, which was more than a nickel and a dime. Uh, they got a tight end that I think fits perfectly their brand-new offensive system, even though you know nobody's going to be confusing Gerald Everett with you know, uh, George Kittle or Travis Kelsey anytime soon. And they got a cornerback that absolutely fits the kind of corner that they look for, Akella Weatherspoon, physical, 6'3", athletic, and Pete Carroll, if he's great at anything, it's coaching up defensive backs. So they've done a wonderful job here in the last couple of weeks of patchworking some of their holes together. And so I don't see there being some glaring uh, need going into the draft, even though they certainly still have needs. They still need more pass rush help. They still need more help in the secondary. They need a number three wide receiver. They're going to need some tight end depth. And obviously on the short contract they signed Chris Carson, too. I don't think running back is out of the question either. Now, the thing about him, you know, John Schneider has pretty much said that he doesn't trust this draft. It's why he's been so loose. It's why he traded away two first-round picks for Jamal Adams. Under COVID, under the circumstances that we have, a shortened football season, not having as much tape on guys, he doesn't trust this draft. He didn't trust last year's draft. So he's being really loose with picks, and there's no guarantee that they'll pick at number two. He might trade down into the later rounds. He might trade that pick for a player. So he does not seem to be that interested in drafting this year. But if he were, I've already picked my Christmas wish list, uh, my Red Rider BB gun with a compass and a stock and this thing that tells time. I like Rondale Moore from Purdue. Gives him a number three uh, wide receiver, 
put him in the slot, run him on that jet sweep like the Rams ran so effectively with Shane Waldron as their pass coordinator, and now he's the offensive coordinator for the Seahawks. He's five seven. He's like Darren Sproles with you know with power, uh, but four two speed, forty three inch vertical, and squats seven hundred pounds. I think you could do a lot with him. I think Russell Wilson would love having him in the offense, and I think it'd be a blast to add him to Lockett and Metcalf in the receiver court. Hey Chuck, we should mention. I don't know if this is news that was already out, or you know, or uh, you expected this. But uh, Candy, you have news on uh, a recent cut here for the Seahawks. Well, it just came across for me in Rappaport that the Seahawks are moving on from Jaron Reed, uh, saying it'll either be a release or a trade that they weren't going to get a long-term deal done. Was that expected up in Seattle? Well, I, I'll say yes and no, um, because obviously they were having difficulty finding a way that ever, they don't have everybody under the cap right now. So they had to restructure, and if people weren't going to restructure, they were going to have to make a big release in order to create the necessary cap space just to afford the guys they signed to this point. And so I like Jaron Reed a lot, and I think they're going to miss him if, in fact, he leaves. But he was making $14 million, and he was making $14 million that could just go away, all of it, if you cut him. No, no dead cap with this contract. So he was certainly the candidate. If they had to make an uncomfortable cut, that's the candidate that you had to circle, that Jaron Reed would be the guy to go. I think it's a mistake because he can play. Uh, and so, and I think they're going to miss him, uh, not having him going forward. And this is the first time hearing about it. Uh, but, yes, it's a surprise, and yet, no, it's not a surprise. Because if they had to go down this road, Jaron Reed is the obvious candidate. Chuck, we appreciate it. Thank you, buddy. All right, dude. There he is, Chuck Powell, KJR. He does the morning show on uh, one of the legendary sports talk stations in the country. Chuck Powell up at uh, KJR. We'll go uh, a little Club 99. i got to go back to that Xavier Pope interview. Uh, we were talking earlier about his list of things that should never come back post-pandemic. I'm going to fight for one of them. I'm going to fight hard. With 77-cent Bud Light bottles, Golden Knights hockey game nights are great at Silver 7's Hotel and Casino. Time now for Dustin DeHart's Club 99. Back to Steve Cofield. Hey, we just had a uh, listener, Russell, stop by. You know what, Angel? If he's going to stick around, tell him I have some T-shirts. We don't have any T-shirts yet? What's going on here? Russell Wilson? No, just listener, Russell. I, 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 well, Russell Wilson could be a listener. I yes. don't know. Oh, I didn't. You know what? Actually, I didn't. Uh, I didn't even look at our new uh, hand sanitizer. Ari, have you seen these? Was this your idea? I know you're doing some promotions for us. Can you guys see this on our little trusty camera? Wow, look at that Raiders branded sanitizer. Let's do it. Wow, man. There's a lot of jokes in there, but I won't make them. I'm trying not to make any of them because it's in the family. So they're, you they're, know. Ra- they're racing through my head right now. That's the pro- That's why both of us were silent. We're like, which of the things in our head can we actually say right now? Uh, our buddy Xavier Pope, who's a 2 o'clock cast every Thursday, had a list of things that should never come back after the pandemic. We'll kind of judge these on, is this actually possible? Do you believe they're gone forever? And do you want to fight for any of these? First, the middle seat on the plane. 
This is no, Club no Ni- one, no one likes these, right? No, no. This is Club Ninety Nine, so we're going to give the middle seat a twenty because the middle seat has bailed me out a few times when I was really? like sprinting through the airport, like, oh my god, I'm not going to make this flight, and I get there and I park my butt in the seat, and I'm like. I don't care that I'm between two big sweaty dudes. At least I'm going home. So the middle seat has its value, but if it never comes back, I'm not going to miss it. Yeah, I'm totally different. I actually have middle seat phobia. Um, phobia. I was I was going to be stuck in a situation where it was going to be unpleasant in a middle seat, and I actually walked off the plane. I was like, rebook me for a couple hours later. You were willing to take the inconvenience of having to get home later just not to have. Who was this person you were going to have to sit next to? It was just someone who was kind of big and didn't didn't appear to be very hygienic. Oh, k- kind of big. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Little and fat believe shaming, it, little fat shaming. Just a, just a slight little bit of fat shaming. A little bit. Okay. Uh, believe it or not, put on the sanitizer. Uh, believe it or not, uh, not it keep was, you away and, from the fatties. And I was such a child about the middle seat. It was only a flight from Phoenix, so I was going to have to sit there for like forty-eight for, minutes, like a forty-eight <laughs> minute flight. And and you, the fat shamer, were were not willing to to do that. I I feel. I feel as though I've learned something about you today. I don't like the middle seat, and I'm no, you don't. St- no, you don't like people and... who who are weight challenged. Uh, you would have sat in that middle seat if it were someone my size, right? Probably. Yeah. You know what's funny is uh, I am one of those people now, and I I often appear to be sort of sort of smelly and unkempt. But so really, could, you're, really, you're like an Irish Spring. Like, what are you trying to say? This could come back on me. Ari was leaning into the microphone on that one when you called yourself smelly and unkempt. Like, Ari had thoughts. I was just going to say, I wonder how many times it's been the opposite where someone has seen Steve and been oh, like, I, eh. I, fully re- I fully recognize it when I'm on a Southwest plane and I always make my best effort to get a, a window or aisle. I, I think about what they're thinking of as they're looking at me. They're like, ugh, God. Are, look, at the, look at this mess. Look at, him hang, look at him hanging over the, the freaking guardrail of the seat, the armrest. Why even go that far? Just do what I do. Stick your backpack in the seat. If anybody comes by, say you're waiting for someone who's in the later group, and if some, and if the flight attendant calls you on it, then they call you on it. But Southwest is warfare, man, and yeah. to the victor go the spoils, and the, the spoils are an empty middle seat. I get so intense, so intense. Uh, Xavier said on the way back out of the pandemic, uh, no crowded subway cars. I don't know how we police this, though. How, yeah, how, does, I mean, that, how does that end? I mean, look, mass transit as a whole for me gets a, a 99. Like, I love mass transit. I wish we had actual mass transit around here. Crowded subway cars, I mean, yeah, they, they suck. But at the same time, how else are you getting there? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They're not going to add extra cars or more trains. That's not going to happen. Uh, coughing into your hand. I mean, I think it should go away. I don't believe in you know society that will make any sort of adjustment. What is better, coughing into your hand or coughing into your sleeve? Sleeve. Uh, uh, germaphobe Ari says sleeve. It, it's not like the pandemic was supposed to be when we changed coughing into your hand versus coughing into your elbow. That was supposed to have changed quite a while ago. Yeah. So if you're still doing that even pre-pandemic and now you do it post-pandemic, uh, you, know, you, sir, are a ruffian. 2037. Um, I, well, let, before we get to 2037, I had already started weaning myself off of the traditional handshake, either by saying I'm sick or I'd fire out the fist. Right. Mm, so let's just okay. keep talking because the coughing in the hand thing obviously becomes a, a problem if we keep doing it. And then we're going back to shaking hands. Uh, the year 2037, if I still go, yeah, I, I can't do it. Sorry, man. COVID. I don't care. Go ahead. Do okay. that. And, and, and right now, you know who we need to talk to? We need to talk to the elbow bump people. Are you listening? Elbow bump people. 
Are you listening? Because understand something. If you think that's better than the fist bump, understand something. You have to get closer to the other person to bump elbows than you do to bump fists. My arm extended is longer than my arm folded. So elbow bump people need to go sit down in that damn middle seat and get away from me. Uh, one, of other, uh, one of the other Xavier choices for things that should stay away after the pandemic ends, the uh, hot and salad bar, hot food and salad bars, I, I am willing to stand. That's a rough fight I'm down for. They need to come back. They need listen, to come back. Listen, Xavier, if you're tuned in right now, which I know you're not, if you're tuned in right now, we are a buffet city. Yes. And we are not changing from being a buffet city. I many times looked at the lone hand sanitizer in the Green Valley Ranch Buffet and yes. thought to myself, I wish a few more people were using this. Like, I've seen you wipe your hand on your nose, but you know what? Those crab legs look great. I, I am not waiting. Like, I am not waiting. I'll hand sanitize myself later. So we are a buffet people. We live and die buffet, by the free buffet. 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 We buffet, live and die by buffet, it. Buffet. When I get points on my card, when I get points on my loyalty card, you know what I use them for? I use them for the buffet. Because if I can get an inferior version of every type of food that I like, but I can get a little bit of all of it for like 10 bucks, I'm doing it. And no pandemic is stopping me from that. I'll wear my mask. I'll go into that buffet, and I will scoopity, scoopity, scoop everything that I want onto that plate. It's not going away, Xavier. Never. Club 99 is presented by Dustin DeHart at Nova Home Loans. Want to talk interest rates and ask about getting your mortgage tuned up? Dustin is Cofield's real estate guy. He needs to be yours, too. Call Dustin DeHart at 577-2600. It's Cofield and Company's eye on sports gambling. I'm going to kill your bookmaker. I'm going to rip his throat out. I will step on his throat until the man chokes. Let me tell you how. Winners, 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 winners. Free, 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 free. We love Tony Miller. We're not going to rip his throat out. Ari has other feelings. Tony down at the Nugget downtown. How you doing, Tony? Hey, Steve. How you doing, bud? I'm good. I'm good. How are you doing? I feel like last weekend may have been a bit energizing with uh, the distance crowds, but in terms of the action of the crowds, how was it? Oh, it's fantastic, man. Uh, you know, we needed that. We needed that really bad, especially downtown, and uh, it happened. They were here in force, and uh, it was a good four days. Uh, you guys did the big room? You had, a, uh, you had a big crowd in the big room? Yeah, yeah, we did the big room. Uh, actually, we were limited to 350 people in there. Uh, not our max, but that was the max we could get that day, and it was full, and uh, it was good. It turned out really well. I highly recommend your parties. Uh, you've been nice enough to invite us to two previous Super Bowls, and my Lord, you guys know how to party down there. Those, those, those were awesome. And I, you know, it's funny, I think about how crowded the room was then. I'm like, when can we ever get back to that? I miss that. Yeah, it's, uh, it's coming, buddy. I mean, if that was any indication right there, I think it's coming. It's coming fast, and I think we'll be back to normal, hopefully, by football season. How about handle? How about when? I saw that uh, folks over at the uh, you know BetMGM, uh, folks from the BetMGM app and, and book were saying, man, we, we really beat up the betters, especially the first three days. How would you guys do? 
Yeah, that's that's true. Uh, you know, I'm you know for sure the handle was down. It's not compared to it was two years ago. Uh, of course, you know because of the pandemic and travel restrictions and whatnot, it was down the handle quite a bit. But the wind was up, if that makes sense. Uh, all because of those underdogs coming in those th- you know first three days. Uh, unfortunately, the betters took it on their chin those three days, but they made a comeback on Monday. Tony Miller, Golden Nugget. Yeah, we heard that from John Murray yesterday that. Uh, Monday wasn't the greatest day for the books. How about how about the uh, the the handle on Monday? Was it would you, would you rather have Thursday to Sunday or you know, was Monday okay and Monday suck? How was it? Monday was dreadful. Uh, you know, it was just it was just terrible, and uh, you know I didn't like that at all. Let's get back to the normal Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Even Sundays in the past are our slowest day, but man, this Monday was just not good. Tony, let's talk about uh, a couple of uh, real sports issues here with major leagues. Uh, I'm sure you saw what happened with the NHL ref getting caught uh, audio saying, you know, I needed a blank and make a call against this team as a, as a sports fan and then as a, as a bookmaker. What did you think of that? Yeah, it was terrible, man. You don't want to see that in the game today, especially with all the money, you know, crossing the counters. I didn't like that at all. Unfortunately, it was there, and I wouldn't be surprised if it's, you know, out there still. You know, we just you know, have to catch that guy. I'm glad he's gone. I think the NHL did the right thing, letting him go right away, but I'm, and that's just, just not good. Candy, are we getting more on this? Is there going to be more transparency, a deeper investigation? Do we need one? I think we need one. What do you think, Adam Candy? Transparency is the word here, right? Like, transparency from the officials and from the NHL to say what direction are the officials under right now because when it was a crackdown on interference they made it clear and we saw all the interference calls and so everybody knew we were all on an even playing field it was the same thing with slashing but if we're now in this mode where they're going to be trying to even things out in some way then just just be clear with us be clear with us because all we want is information so we can all be on the same level uh Tony when did you start uh, working in the book industry here in Vegas? Uh, 85. Okay. So you certainly remember the vibe that we got in Vegas from the NFL. Can you believe how much it's changed now? And, <laughs> and now the open arms for these partnerships, like to the point where we've got casinos that may have naming rights on stadiums. This is incredible. Oh, buddy, money is the word. And, you know, NFL wants a piece of that pie. They got their hands out. They want to be fed. And uh, it's here. It's going to happen. You know, corporate sponsors are going to come into play. And, uh, unfortunately, you know, it's here. And, you know, the public has to get used to it. They have to get used to all these names around the league. And pretty soon it'll be on the journey. Jerseys or the helmets, so I see it coming. I knew it would, and uh, it's here. We got the draft coming up in just over four weeks. Uh, what do you guys do for the draft? Do you try to do some sort of a big get together? Is it a big betting event? Does Vegas need to expand the options on the board in terms of NFL draft betting? You know, what kind of the mindset? Like, hey, we got to make up some money that we did not get uh, during the time that we were freaking closed down. You know, over the years, Game Control Board has loosened their grip. They've let us do more and more things, and I think they will this year. Um, you know, a few years back when we were going to have it right here in Vegas, we were ready for a bunch of things to put up on the board, get approval from Game and to do those. And uh, unfortunately, this year we're not ready. Uh, you know, we weren't sure what was going to happen with the draft and whatnot, but it's back, I think, next year, and we'll be, be putting up a lot of things. We're going to have some this year, not quite what we were going to do when it was here in Vegas, but those days are coming. I think we'll be able to do a lot of stuff. Tony, we saw the numbers just out from the Gaming Control Board for February, and just like we were talking about with the reduced capacity in the casinos, it was interesting to me that it didn't look like the amount of folks betting via mobile really went up all 
that much. How is it for you guys? Are you seeing with the capacity restrictions, are more people using the app, or are you seeing people bet differently on the app than they did in the past? Well, Adam, that's a really you know interesting statement because, you know, over the last week, people coming in from March Madness, all we did was fill out applications. I know they only wanted to do it for a few days, but we filled out a lot of applications for people opening up accounts. Uh, I can't believe it's down. I, I thought for sure it would go up, especially the pandemic and whatnot, and the education of the public around the United States on how to bet. They know what they're doing when they come to town. But, yeah, my, my apps down here are going full and fast, and I feel a lot of them. Tony, uh, on the NBA, what are you guys going to do with the title odds? Because now you've got this weird conundrum with the Lakers. The Lakers could lose a bunch of games, uh, potentially get into the playoffs with, like, you know, the six, the seven, the eight seed, and you're going to still have them as a, the uh, second fave at three to one? It's such a weird NBA season, Steve, you know, with, with the injuries, with the canceled games. You know, I'm pulling my hair out with the NBA, with the futures and the MVP and whatnot. But you're right. You know, with the injuries to the Lakers right now, with AD and LeBron banged up and whatnot, you know, they are a good team when they're fully healthy. The question is, when will they be fully healthy? And uh, if they're, you know, they got the full team on the court, they are the favorites, no doubt about it. And I'm expecting that's, you know, those guys are going to be ready come playoff times. And uh, I think they'd definitely be the favorite. 11, 12, 15, you got all these high seeds, uh, you know, some names that aren't familiar to betters. What happens at the books? Do you expect uh, betting to be down because all the big names aren't there? And, as, you know, some of them didn't even make the tournament in the first place. Yeah, I, I expect so, just a little bit. But, you know, we'll see what happens. Now the trade deadline's over and the teams are all set. And, uh, you know, it's time to get down to the nitty-gritty who makes the playoffs. And uh, I think once those playoffs get here, the fans will be ready to bet all that. And, by the way, I think you misunderstood. I was talking about the NCAA tournament this weekend with the higher seeds. Do you expect betting to be down or will it be about the same? Oh, what I think? Say, yes, yeah, Steve. Yeah. Uh, no, I think, you know, people all, they love Oral Roberts. And, you know, they got their Cinderella team. They got their Gonzaga. They got their Baylor. And there's still some good teams left. I think it's still wide open. It's going to be a fun, fun next two weeks. And uh, I think it's going to be real interesting. I, I expect the handle to be pretty good on these next two weeks. Good deal. Glad you're in a good mood. Glad things are getting better. Not that you're ever in a bad mood. Tony's a very pleasant guy. <laughs> Tony, we appreciate it. Thanks, man. All right, buddy. Take care. There he is, the big fella. Tony Miller down at the Golden Nugget. Five o'clock hour is on the way. Uh, I've got another open mic situation. Uh-oh. I mean, folks, learn from radio people. The microphone is always potentially open. Will you stop? Oh, I almost cursed. Cofield and Company will be back in minutes right here on ESPN Las Vegas.